Great. So thanks everyone to coming back to another episode of It's a Bames Life. Um, it's getting crazy now. This is week four, I think, of It's a Bames Life. So I can't believe we are on episode four already. This week I've got two incredibly wonderful guests I'm really excited to have on with me. Hopefully we don't talk for too long because the last time we were talking for hours. <laughs> So sorry if this is like a really long episode, but you know what it is. You'll enjoy it either way. So I will let them introduce themselves because I can't do them any justice, that's for sure. Hi, thank you very much for having us on. We are really looking forward to getting into the conversation. Um, so my name's Priscilla Akutu-Carter. I am one half of Encouraging Her. So I'm one of the co-founders and uh, wife to this wonderful lady here. And my name is Didi Akutu Carter, um, other half of Encouraging Her, wife of Priscilla. Um, but yeah, we're here to speak to you all and um, yeah, have the conversation. Fantastic. Thank you guys for coming on today as well. I know it's like, it's very strange times, isn't it? Doing everything virtually and everything going on. Yes, we're adapting though. We are adapting. Yeah. In. Which we is are really cool. I know we are zooming everything. So, um, but yeah, I think we're that. Even our child's zooming. We've got Zoom classrooms. So, um, yeah. Do you know what? I never thought I would get into Zoom the way I have, but I'm <laughs> zooming like an absolute pro. Yeah. <laughs> I always have a glass in one hand. I'm doing it one-handed now. I'm really impressed with myself. <laughs> so I'm just going to give kudos to me for a little bit. And tap on the back because I'm like anybody who knows me knows that I don't like technology like I got my first smartphone when I was like in my mid-20s because I was forced into it like I really don't know what I'm doing half the time I have to ask people like why is my phone not silent <laughs> so I'm really proud of myself doing well but yeah thanks for coming on um we've got a lot to unpack today really um, to talk about so I, what I wanted to start off with because there'll be a few people listening to this who don't know what encouraging her is so if you guys want to just explain that a little bit for the listeners today yeah of course so encouraging her is a social enterprise which is geared towards female survivors of domestic abuse and we've got a number of different service lines um, at varying stages but the the they're all touched with a bit of innovation. So, we'll, I mean, we'll expand on it further on down the line, but it's what we're doing is we're trying to, we're definitely digitally focused. So we're all about sort of keeping communication via social media and making sure that we keep our social presence. But in terms of the services that we offer, we went through quite a process of gathering together with leading organizations in domestic abuse, local authorities and other channels 
to look at what the gaps are within the current service provisions for domestic abuse and, and really that was how encouraging her first started. It's modular, so it's not necessarily that somebody takes part in every single service, but um, there are individual services which are tailored towards those gaps which exist within the market. Yeah, and we are really, um, really good. So we work, we tend to work, so we're not really frontline, so we wouldn't necessarily work with um, a survivor who's probably just left their perpetrator. We'd be working with female survivors who have at least probably been in the refuge for about six months, or they've been out there, um, um, well, away from perpetrator for at least six months, I should say. So from there onwards, and we're working with them to kind of technically get them back on their feet, back into the community, arm them with new skills and things like that. So yeah we're like the back end we're the, the supportive end i, I yeah. almost would say that you're actually the beginning of the process because getting yeah. away is is hard enough already but yeah. and to stay away for six months you know yeah. from somebody who has been in a domestic violent relationship before i know how difficult that is but to then say okay i'm definitely not going back and i'm gonna start my life all over again that's really the beginning of the journey it's yeah, tough. and it's that's tough. that's that's where we're at, isn't it? We're beginning the journey. That's nice. That's yeah. I, I like. I think we might steal that and, and probably put that <laughs> on there somewhere. The beginning you. of your new journey. Uh, exactly. we, we'll credit you as well. Don't yeah. worry. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Um, but I I think one of the things that really um, surprises the thing that's probably not publicised quite as much is around the returnee rates. Yeah. And that's something people don't talk about. People, you know, yeah. it's incredibly hard for survivors, male or female, to escape yeah. their situation in the first place. Mm -hmm. But what, what we found through our research is that there are things and triggers which will lead somebody towards, which will make someone lean towards going back to their perpetrator. And they're all very valid reasons. Very, very valid. Yeah. But, you know, that return rate is, is much higher than people would probably it's, believe. Yeah. I mean... You know, based on stats, it's been worked out that it basically takes a woman seven tries before she actually leaves her perpetrator. And that may be just thinking about it, putting a plan in place, talking to someone, but it takes them, mentally, it takes them at least seven goes in terms of thinking about it to actually definitely leave someone. And then once they've actually left, it's then this kind of mental um, process of making sure they stay away and not go yeah. back. And unfortunately, the percentage rate of returnees is 49%. And that's when they- So high. High, they've been into the- I rest. didn't think it would be that high. Uh, it's really, unfortunately. And the problem is, you know, you leave a perpetrator and you may put it to be put, you know, put into a refuge or, you know, maybe temporary accommodation, depending on what the situation is. Maybe you're there for maybe a, a six months to a year. Hopefully, you know, not too long and temporary because it can be, depending where you are. Um, yeah. But once you've done that and you've been, you know, in, in, in accommodation, you've been, you're out the, you know, out the way, and then you're back into the community. So maybe you're given a, a property somewhere, a flat or something, you know, through, through whatever means. Um, and until you're back out in the community and you're on your own. Yeah. When you're with other people, there's, you know, there's, there's support workers, there's refuge managers, there's other people, you know, other ladies and survivors with you. And you have this kind of like community-based thing happening. But the minute you have to leave that, you're then plucked out and you're put on your own back in the community. And that's when, unfortunately, that, that's when things fall down. And yeah. that's what is then lacking because, you know, they've done what they're supposed to do. You're through the rest of your, you're, you know, you're out. Um, 
but that's when the returnee rate is happening is when they're back in the community and having to fend for themselves with no support yeah and just to touch on that i know this is probably going off topic slightly but i think that almost also it's almost the same as well with people who are homeless effectively because eventually you know they get given a house somewhere it's in an area they're not really familiar where all their friends are homeless people as well and all of a sudden it's like okay great we've given you a house here's the keys good luck cheers and it's like okay but how do you now integrate into community uh, like this person has been homeless 24 hours a day you can't really expect them to be able to just do a nine-to-five normally they're not yeah. going to do things and no. like I feel like in a lot of things not even just domestic violence we are lacking that support that's needed afterwards when people come out and I know that for myself as well because my family live here in the UK and as you guys know I'm from Ireland and I left my relationship um, when I was in Ireland and it was a domestic violence relationship if I hadn't had the opportunity to move to the UK, I probably would have gone back, even though I knew he was bad for me. Mm, isn't that, yeah. Because I'd already done that more than once. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. And it happens. Yeah. That's all I had around me. All my family had already moved. Yeah. And everybody who, who else was around me didn't see what I had to go through behind yeah. closed doors so to them or oh, we just had a little fight you'll be fine don't worry about it you so eventually you just think oh I'm gonna go and it wasn't until my family were like oh maybe you should try and come like they didn't even know what was going on but they were like maybe you should try and find a job here to like because I wanted to have a, ch- a career change and I jumped on it I had no job no nothing I literally got on a plane with, with my belongings mm-hmm. and moved to South Wales to start off with but if I hadn't had that then yeah. I probably still would be in that relationship god forbid yeah happened yeah I don't think people understand in terms of you know when women do go back people just can't understand why would you go put yourself back in that situation but the thing is when you're you know there's we have one of our survivors and she's just she's basically been plucked at put somewhere where she knows no one and she's in a yeah. So she's in kind of like a one room, you know, with a you know, bathroom and shower, but she doesn't know anyone in the area. She has no friends in the area, no family, no, like nothing. So when the property comes up, it's where there's a space and you may be yeah. somewhere with only one. And that's what happens. You know, people want to go back to what they know. That's just natural human behavior, unfortunately. And with that, your natural, you know, what you're used to is unfortunately a hostile environment. Exactly. It's still that you know. You know, yeah, and also I find with people, domestic violence survivors, because it's not just the physical side of it. A lot of it usually starts off as, you know, emotional. And then by the time it gets to the physical, you're quite far in. Yeah. And you're so broken down from it that you know nothing else. Yeah. 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 So somebody's trying to tell you, yeah, you're great. You're amazing. You're literally looking at them like you're mad. Yeah. It's a layered, it's, this, is, this is a layered, this is a layered issue. And I think, um, and, and I think, you know, the, the, the frontline services do so much to yeah. and provide the women whilst they have them in temporary accommodation, providing them with the property, that that is all, you know, it, when, when I compare ourselves to some other countries, not just in Europe, but outside of Europe, even yeah. America, we'll get to America later, but oh, in America, it, it's a very different situation to be able to give, give them the property. That's great. And that copes with your physiological needs. Yeah. There are the psychological needs 
And that is what is not met. The psychological mm. needs are not met. And if in, in any situation, whether that be homelessness, obviously our area of focus is domestic abuse. If you are dealing with the physical, that's great. That's great that you're dealing with the physiological. But true change cannot come without that mindset yeah. and psychological change. Yeah. That is, when you couple them, mm. then you, you know, you're able then to you change. change. Once yeah. you change your physical environment, and you're able to alter the way that you think, the way that you see yourself and undo some of those negative beliefs that have been implanted in your head over however long as a result of domestic abuse. Only then when those two services are coupled, can you yeah. then really start to see real change. Just changing the environment alone it, it isn't enough. It's not enough. Yeah. I completely agree with you there. Cause um, yeah, I remember I moved and within two months of me moving I literally rang up the emergency services and said I can't do this I don't want to be in this country because now I was in a country that I didn't read apart from my family I didn't know anybody else I managed to get myself a job and everybody's like yeah let's go out let's go drink it I've not done that for years I've not yeah. gotten dressed and wore really nice clothes and gone out for years so what you want me to show my skin are you trying yes. to get me killed like all these things were coming i was like i can't do this i can't do this and i was starting to think i need to quit i need to go back i just need to go back to what i know because you know not only was ireland my home where i grew up that was also where my ex was and he was still trying to get in contact with me and say he's sorry and i was like maybe i should just you know forgive him he won't do it again he can see that now i can go as far as leaving the country blah 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 and luckily I didn't do it mm. and for one two other reasons I stayed but you know if I didn't even have that strong mind to say no you see you've done it for three months now you can carry on mm. it wouldn't have happened and if I hadn't have picked up the phone to speak to somebody I probably would have booked the next flight back yeah, there you go. Yeah, there you so go. I definitely do believe the frontline services are doing an awful lot, but even at that, they were able to calm me down that day, and I was able to talk to like certain family members about it, and we started putting things in place. Not everybody even has that that they can even go to their family members. We have a few who were who have come from overseas, so they yeah. come from country, and they've come here and they've got married, and then yeah. they just abusive situation in which case your family are a thousand plus thousand miles, miles away, away. Yeah. so any situation that you're experiencing and sometimes it's layered you know we're talking yeah. with Bain now so yeah. we face layers and there are layers um, in terms of you know what, what it means to be in a relationship what it means to 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 be married if we if we put an LGBTQ plus slant on it then there are people who would return after a domestic abusive situation and not be not receive open arms when they return yeah so there are so many um there are so many people who face so many challenges and bain is one because we yeah. just there's cultural um yeah. all of just, these kind of things that we yeah. these scripts that we prescribe to um and that's probably across the whole bain culture and then you layer that with lgbt multi-layered multi Exactly. It's a, and the other thing is, because um, I'm a first generation, as they call it, I forget the word for it now, first generation that was born in, in Europe. Yeah. So our parents came over, 
struggle together to get their papers, to be legal in the country, to, you know, give their children a better life, basically. And sometimes I think that can put so much stress on a couple that it might not have been like that when they were back home, even though they might have been struggling more, but because they're probably in a place that they know, they kind of know what to do to get money. Whereas here, there's certain things you can and cannot do. And you're trying to give your children, you know, the best life possible. And then the child says, oh, I want a, an iPhone for Christmas. And it's like, what? Like, I don't even know if we can have cereal tomorrow. And then somebody wants to go out to a party. And all these things start happening. And I think a lot of the times, unfortunately, especially within the BAME community, um, some of us are actually, we grow up in a household where domestic violence happens. And mm. it's normal. Yeah. And it's, it's on both parts. It's not just women. It's not just the, it's not just the husband doing one thing it's not just the wife doing one thing like it's both parties yes equally assaulting each other in various different ways and we become so institutionalized and I remember breaking up with somebody when I was much younger and he was a black guy and uh one of my she was much older than me she was already married this woman she was Nigerian and she said you know if you were in Nigeria this is what she said to me she said if you ain't Ninja you were just taking back yeah. because that's how our men behave and I'm like no I'm sorry you can't mm. be doing certain things to me and think that I'm just going to take you but I'm not a doormat yeah mm. and that's and sometimes we as women are taught to be doormats by via culture yes yes and because of that domestic abuse becomes normal it does and I think when we're talking about domestic abuse um, I think we need to consider how wide this goes because people, yeah. I mean, pretty, many years ago we've referred to it as domestic violence. So yeah. domestic violence, that people recognised it was, you know, there was threatening behaviour, there was physical harm, that was domestic, mm -hmm. domestic violence. Now when we're talking about domestic abuse, and one, this is one of the reasons why we think, you know, being in, the, being in the UK and the laws that they have in the UK and the laws that they're trying to create, we're talking about widening the scope of what we mean by domestic abuse. What is domestic abuse? Yeah. All of those things that you have mentioned, the shouting, the emotional abuse, the yeah. financial abuse, the sometimes sexual abuse. We're talking about some cultures, we're talking about FGM. Yeah. Some other talking about forced marriage. All of these mm -hmm. under the current, you know, the domestic abuse bill, which is currently going through the House of Commons at the moment, is under the definitions. We're talking about broadening the scope of that. So we're not just talking about a slap or a punch or something far worse. No. We're exactly. talking about psychological abuse and abuse that can't be seen mm -hmm. which is hugely important because when you widen the scope of that 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 definition that brings into scope so many more people mm -hmm. exactly and there's so many people who don't realize there's that they're in that because it's not physical they yeah. will literally say well, he doesn't hit me yeah so it's not abuse yeah you know well, like thing... i was saying to you guys at work we um watched a video um, it was like a three-part video showing the different types of abuse that can happen to our clients. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I saw that video, I realized that I was one of the people who was suffering from a different type of abuse. Yeah. Yeah. Because to me, growing up, domestic violence was shouting, slapping, all that yeah. kind of stuff. And I wasn't experiencing that part of it. So yeah. therefore, it's not abuse. Yeah, they're just angry because they've had a rough day and I just need to get out of the way. Yeah. yeah. 
maybe if I just go and buy this or give them that money to do what they want to do, it'll all be fine. Yeah. Mm. I wasn't mm. thinking that actually this is wrong. And it wasn't until I saw that I was like, I need to, I need to reevaluate what's going on in my own relationship before yeah. I can even help a client. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. That's the thing. And that's the crazy thing that so many people don't even know that they're in that. Yeah. 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 I mean, and the thing is, like, there is so many different types. There's things like coercive control where yeah. it's almost waterboarding. It's a very kind of drip, drip, drip process where, you know, things are going amazingly well. And then it's like, you know, there tends to, and it, unfortunately it's quite gendered. It's 80% gendered toward women. Um, yeah. um, you know, maybe it could be something simple like, oh, you know, in order for us to budget, why don't you just pay your... Um, pay your salary into my account and then you know because you're not that great with money are you so i'll just yeah. what you need for the month and then i'll just look after the rest of it but things like that which which sounds like it could be quite plausible and yeah, maybe exactly you know, maybe you're not great with money and actually not having to worry about it and letting someone think about it for you is probably fine but that's almost sometimes that can happen depending on what kind of relationship you have and then it would be like then your next, you know, after about a few months, you're given less money and then you're given less money. And then it's like, then you can't go out and then you have to start asking for your own money. That's yeah. when the control starts coming in. So coercive is a very kind of, very slow drip, drip. And it's almost probably the worst type because it's very psychological um, and, and, it, and it, it works over years. Like someone had been, you yeah. know, I, think, I think we were at a conference and someone had basically realized they'd been in a relationship, in a marriage for 15 years but essentially it'd been a coercive control type of relationship and they hadn't even realized. Yeah. And you know, very much controlled. Um, but then, you know, there's, all, there's so many different types. The men's there's economic abuse, mm -hmm. you know, there's coercive, there's um, psychological, psychological, emotional. emotional. And, and, and like I said, I was talking about a lot of these, especially around BAMES or BAME, um, people, people of color, is that it's normally coupled with something else. So... Yeah. Um, you had domestic abuse and perhaps like FGM or you'll have domestic yeah. abuse honor and um, honor killing or you'll have um, domestic abuse and forced marriage so for some reason within our kind of cultural um because of our culture all different yeah. cultures, because of our, our culture and our faith it's always coupled with something else exactly you know, I completely agree able to happen psychologically by your parents and why you feel if you don't do it you feel your life is in danger it's all coupled yeah. so um that's a huge issue for ourselves and in terms of lgbt you know <laughs> I, yeah i mean i, I was talking to with the episode we're talking about some of the stats in terms of lgbt and unfortunately like so the, the, the normal kind of stat genital women uh, survivors is one in four women um for lesbians it's one in three and for trans it's one in two which wow. is yeah, which is awful. Which is crazy. It's actually crazy. Yeah. You know, the thing with the lesbians that what really surprised me is um, well, maybe they surprised me, maybe not. And it also depends on how they're kind of using their uh, labels as well. But then, you know, the lesbians that was like one in three were in an abusive relationship. And a third of those who'd been abused in an abusive relationship were abused by men, even yeah. though they identify as lesbians as well. And that's that was also quite shocking. But 
I think that one of the another issue, you know, in terms of what we could talk about is domestic abuse within the LGBT um, community. Mm. Because one of the things that is layered on top, like Priscilla mentioned before, the kind of layers we have within the Bane culture. If you're black and you come from a Christian background, and perhaps, for example, I don't know, you're Nigerian like myself, um, and you are identifying as a gay, lesbian, bisexual, trans, you know, queer, intersex, is once you've left the house, because, you know, you may have had a struggle, you know, with your parents telling them that you're coming out or yeah. telling them who you, or who you are, like living your truth. When you've left the household and they're not happy about it, and then you go into a relationship with someone and that person starts abusing you, you have nowhere to turn. And that's exactly. You know, and unfortunately, one of the tools within an LGBT DV um, um, relationship or issue is they start using your state, your label against you. Yeah. Or threatening to out you, you know, your partner threats, threatens to out you, things like that. And that's just... Yeah, I think that particularly is quite shocking if you're LGBT and Bane. So they're just like layers. There's, there's some different layers. And there are so many different layers. And I think um, well, sometimes people can just, like you said, when if you've already had to leave your home and that was already a hostile environment, the yeah. thing is you're now, you're now wanting somebody to want you. And yeah. what most of these um, abusive relationships, they start off wonderful. The person is there. 24 7 when you need them even when you didn't call them mm. and because you're so used to not being wanted you think oh my god this person is head over heels for me mm. so you almost blind yourself with this no matter what they're just yeah. doing what's best what's in my best interest and I actually feel that in my personal experience anyway because I've been in multiple um relationships where domestic violence and the domestic abuse has happened unfortunately um but when I was in one that was physical I think I was it was easier for me to leave that because I knew what they were doing to me was physically bad mm -hmm. whilst when you're in an emotional place you start to think is it my mental health am I just too sensitive you start to give reasons as to why you care so much about what this person is saying to you yeah. Yes, but I am yeah. bad at money, so why shouldn't I just let them tell me what I need for the month? I, I do need to lose weight, so yeah, actually, walking to work isn't that bad. It's only a half an hour walk, 40 minutes walk. Yeah. Do you start yeah. giving yourself a reason as to why this person is doing what they're doing to you? Because they're not physical to you, you think it's not bad? Yeah. And that's mm -hmm. where we need to switch our mind and understand that if somebody loves you they're not going to try and actually put you down or say things to you or try and control you yeah yeah, yeah absolutely that and i think that's a really important point that you raise and, and i know that we've, we've we've talked about the, the, the definition and the scope of the definition but i think yeah. for the because of somebody who may be listening to this and may be questioning whether some of the, you know some of the things that we're saying might resonate that they didn't identify this before i think it's important to point out again Domestic abuse covers abusive yeah. mm -hmm. So we're not, and that's abuse of every kind. So the domestic abuse bill, which is going through Parliament at the moment, is, is probably going to be um, uh, looking for approval in 2021. It talks about the first section of the bill, talks about 
scope and definition of domestic abuse. Yeah. So we're talking beyond violence now. The old yeah. back about you know the old definition of, of domestic violence when we're talking about domestic violence, that's that's a thing of the past. When we now yeah. talk about abuse, we're talking about financial, we're talking about emotional, we're talking about psychological. The side, you know, if you're being prevented from seeing your friends and slowly upon surely mm. your world is becoming slightly More smaller, smaller, you're becoming yeah. dependent on this person um, to the point where you have to ask or your receipts have been checked or your phone is being tracked Check. or, yeah. um, you know, there's comments about how you look that are derogatory. All yeah. of those fall within the scope of the definition. And I think that's really, really important for listeners to hear. 100% I completely agree and if somebody's threatening to say I'm going to out you because a lot of people within the BAME LGBTQ plus community we have to be honest are not fully out there you yes. know they're 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 living their life in secret in hiding you know yeah. they might tell their parents Janice is a is a housemate well yeah. that's not what it is do you know I, I know people even within the white community yeah. And especially the white Irish community, which is really funny, because in Ireland, like I said to you guys before, the whole thing with LGBT was quite, you know, difficult. And I had that when somebody said, you know, I could out you because I was honest about what I was. And mm -hmm. when you're mm -hmm. then living in a country that in general doesn't support LGBTQ anyway, you have yeah. parents that are West African who don't mm -hmm. believe it's right. They're whole hog Christians who also, you know, their Pentecostal uh, pastor Biodun tells them it's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you know, at what, like, where, <laughs> there, there, there's nothing, I can't do anything. So I, I need to, you know, accept that this is my relationship and somehow, someday, maybe I'll get out of it. I don't even know. And that was really quite a terrifying time. And there are people who are still living in that, if you think about places in like Africa, you know, mm -hmm. how many people get forced into marriages because they are LGBTQ plus and yeah. they, they can't come out because their country says it's not allowed, it's illegal. Their religion says it's illegal. Mm -hmm. And then you, their family will say it's illegal. And then you've also got somebody who says, if you don't do this, I'm going to tell everybody about you. And places like Nigeria that have made it illegal to be LGBTQ plus where you can actually go to jail for 14 years. Yeah. In addition to that, you could also go to jail if you know if somebody you know, who didn't out them. You didn't say. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's crazy. Like seriously, in Nigeria, that's the least of our problems. Like we need to sort out electricity. <laughs> and you're worried about who somebody's sleeping with. Like are you <laughs> Nepa is taking lights. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine? I lived there what 1980 uh six and still the nepars is still taking life seriously i know it's Ever. ridiculous they're not even focusing on the fact that like we can't get running light 24 hours a day like we've got so much sun and yet the europe can manage to do solar panels and you're worried about whether somebody knew if this person was gay or not like really is that really what we're worried about here their gut that there highlights the importance of religion yeah, exactly the importance of religion, because we could say a very similar thing um, if we're talking about people within the South Asian community. Yeah, in South Asian uh, and forced marriage, you know, in, in Pakistan with forced marriages, in parts of India with, with forced marriages, you know, we're yeah. talking about these communities who are also, you know, forced into a situation where um, they ha have to marry. It's prevalent, 
with you know LGBT um, uh, South Asian people of South Asian descent um, are forced into marriage. They're forced yeah, into marriage. That's yeah. a, that's a and, and that's where we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. You make you make and, and in all of these countries, we could probably say they've got far bigger issues to worry about. But then you introduce the layer of religion. Exactly. Justifies it. Yeah. So honor killings are justified. Yeah. That's yeah. It's crazy you know, when you think about that because um, I know you guys know Reverend Jude as well, yeah. and he was doing a course. Shout out to Reverend Jude. He's my favorite, honestly. Yeah. Amazing. I keep telling him if I ever move to London, I'm going to his church. Hands oh. down. <laughs> um, he was talking about, you know, he did a course saying about what the Bible really says in favor of same sex marriage and same sex relationship. Okay. And during that time, I realized so many different Bible verses that were taught to me in a completely different perspective. Oh my gosh, tell me about it. It's it's ridiculous, like, do you know, there was things that were, were happening in the Bible and it's just assumed that it's to do with gay people, like, but actually, if you read the whole story, you think, hang on a minute, there is actually nothing to do with gay people in this passage whatsoever. So it's just people in religion pushing their beliefs onto other people and places like Africa, Southeast Asia, Asia, all those kind of places, they hang on to religion so much because that's all they've got. I mean, the government is not, it's basically non-existent in most places. Well, it's they don't have anything else. They, absolutely. Yeah. Well, religion, religion and that's state right, yeah. are one. And that's, yeah. that, that's probably that's what you're talking problem. about with Ireland as well. Yeah. And religion and state and the, mm. the two are there side by side I, I, and I'm not suggesting that I'm against religion and state but when religion is used divisively mm-hmm. and exactly. then bored by state yeah there's the issue that's where the problem lies the problem. yeah saying you know you know using the bible as a weapon because you know the bible's got word of god in it and it also has symbolism you know and if you depending on how you decide you want to like you know spin that little twat tail to suit your um, agenda then exactly there's a weapon you know th- th- and when there's numerous amount of stories i mean sodom and gomorrah has nothing to do with gay <laughs> there's nothing to do with <laughs> yeah peoples at all you know and it's not if that's not what it's about it's using which technically it's about dv or abuse using yes. about sexual abuse sexual violence yes. sexual violence give the right term yes sexual violence and using sex as a weapon and that's what yeah. it's about so you know, and then yeah, so blessed today for trying to open as many eyes as possible. Yeah. But that really, some of the things we have been taught in terms of, you know, our faith is unfortunately incorrect, and people use it. The thing, the, the thing is that what people fear the most is what they, what they fear the most is what they hate, what they yeah. what is misunderstood. Yeah, yeah. down and tends to you know, and that's what that's the issue around people using faith and mixing in, and that's where we come from a culture perspective, being Nigerian or being West African or African or whatever, wherever you're from, is when you start mixing your culture in with your religion and then this, it's like, this is the, now the rule to live by. And that's where the problem is. There's a lot of problems where we're mixing things up and, you know, a lot of bit of man-made rules goes in, you know, in the mix as well. And that's the problem. And yeah. subjectivity. subjectivity. And so yeah. a lot of subjectivity because, um, you, know, I, I, you know, I believe that the Bible is divinely inspired, but that doesn't mean that people haven't, you know, edited, edited according to that. their own subjectivity as it's been translated yeah. multiple times over the years. 
Um, so like Chinese whispers. Yeah, absolutely. Literally, it is, isn't it? Because by the time the Bible started getting got written, yeah. how many years passed from that was Jesus actually on this planet with yeah. us? And that's just—it's like the stories that parents tell you when you're younger and their their grandparents tell you and then when you start to tell your own children you can't really remember what happened in the middle so you put a little spin on it (laughs) do you know what i mean or your child's done something naughty that day and you're telling them a story and you change it a little bit so that they can think about their actions Exactly. Do you know what I mean? Like, and that's that's when we're doing it harmlessly. But then think of the people who are doing it because they want um, a certain society of people to live by a certain way that they feel is the best way to live. Yeah. And then that just keeps. It's it's like a mass production of miscommunication. Miscommunication. My words yeah. today on a yeah. scene and English are not marrying up anymore for me. <laughs> But it's, yeah, it's an issue. And I think, like everything, it's, I guess it's an intersectionality of its own, isn't it, really? Mm. Because you about, um, you know, domestic abuse, uh, which is intersectioned with um, sexual orientation, which then is then inter- intersectioned with um, religious beliefs and cultural identity. So, yeah. You know, with at least four layers of complexity. Mm. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's so crazy. And I just... Like one of the things I think about now is I'm quite thankful for where I am in my life that, you know, I can live on my own. I can do all these things, but I can just imagine if I was, my parents know that I'm out now. They, you know, they're not fully on it, but they've learned to accept it because in their head, they just think this child's mad. So <laughs> there's no point in even trying to change her now. It's whatever. And, you know, they, they bash the Bible at me. I bash it back 10 times more. And they're just like, whatever, we're done here. <laughs> but I just think about all the people who, you know, possibly were li- already living in a hostile um, environment at home in itself and decided that they were now going to quarantine with Bay because, yeah. you know, and then all of a sudden they realised Bay is not any better than what their family was. And now they're in a situation where family saying, don't come back here. They're mm-hmm. stuck with this person who's mistreating them. It's like, and they might feel that there's no help out there. Yeah. Your example is something we can draw on firsthand. We have been contacted by exactly the same kind of situation. Um, Where young woman, she's in quarantine. She's in quarantine with Bay, and it was great. And then all of a sudden, it wasn't. Exactly. Where and now, where does she go? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because. which what was her home, you know, some time ago, what used to be her home, it, it's, it's not home anymore. And home is certainly not where she is now. No, exactly. And then, and then you're stuck with, you know, a lot of places are closed down. And like a lot of like what you guys are doing as well, there's a lot of um, charities and, you know, organisations out there that have moved to online. But if you're in a, a relationship that is very coercive and abusive, yeah. Do you even get the chance to speak to somebody if yeah. Bay is working from home yeah. and you're home, at what point do you get five minutes to even ring somebody and talk oh. about what's going on? Yeah. There are some amazing initiatives and, and you're absolutely right. Because of lockdown. But because of yeah. lockdown, some incredible initiatives and people have 
you know, I, I think sometimes in situations like like this, like you know, the, the global pandemic we find ourselves in, you see the, the very best and the very worst of people. And I think if I, if I'm thinking about sort of domestic abuse and our experience of, of, of how things have gone over the last couple of, couple of months, we're talking about spikes in calls to the national abuse hotline. Yeah. It's spikes in, in, in calls. So, you know, talking about calls up around 49% compared to where they were last year. Yeah. We're talking about a lot. Metropolitan police are talking about uh, an increase since. So since lockdown started up until the end of April, 24% rise in arrests and cautions related to domestic abuse. Mm -hmm. On one that day... Absolutely sick. It's crazy. And, you know, the National Abuse um, Helpline's website has reported uh, uh, an additional 400% um, increase in people visiting their site since yeah. lockdown started. So we're seeing the worst of people. Yeah. But yeah. then we're seeing the best so we're talking about and i think a massive shout out to firms like superdrug and boots, and boots who are using yeah. these word and morrison's, and morrison's yeah you know and, and other organizations who are doing things like that you can, in pharmacies now you can go in with a specific word you say that word and the pharmacy pharmacist or whoever it is knows that you are a victim and yeah. you, you and need help and yeah. they will to help you I've seen other things on, on Twitter and um, on Instagram where people um, purport to sell certain products and they said, you know, message me and say that you want a lipstick. And then if you say yeah. shade, I know, yeah. I can call the police. Yeah. So, yeah. so which, you know, this is somebody, these are people saying this is people they don't even know. Yeah. Which is, yeah. which just shows the best in people that mm -hmm. people just want this situation, you know, to, they want to do what they can to help. Exactly. Which is, which is brilliant. But obviously on the flip side, that's been born out of quite a lot of bad. Yeah. Because, yeah. And, and the question is, is domestic abuse happening now more because of frustration and, you know, that's been caused as a result of lockdown? Or is it highlighting an issue or the size of the real issue? And, and, I, and I think it's both, if I'm being honest, because I think some of these people who are now seeking help would have had the haven of going to work for... Yeah. You know, if you think like just before we even started recording and I said to you guys, I don't know how I was ever getting up at five o'clock in the morning and getting to work for eight o'clock. And I probably yeah. wasn't getting home till like eight o'clock in the evening. So think about all the hours if, if I had been still in a relationship of um, domestic abuse, that you're away from that partner and you can actually just think, do you know what, let me just, I've got all this day. And when you come home, even though that person might be saying things to you that are horrible, they're not maybe hitting you or anything like that. You can just kind of, you almost just brush it off. You're just mm -hmm. like, I'm too tired to retaliate. I'm too tired to argue with you. I'll deal with this later. You end up taking extra hours at work. You're doing overtime over the weekend. You're spending less and less time mm -hmm. at home. Whereas mm -hmm. now, all of a sudden, it's gone from, stay in your house stay home until we tell you you can leave yeah and now you are getting the same probably the same maybe a little bit more of domestic abuse 24 hours it's no longer five hours of the day it's That's now what... 24 hours seven days a week mm. here's where i want to challenge you both though and i i i, I agree with that and i think that this has exacerbated the issue we know that this is a vastly unreported, underreported crime. So this is, so we know 
survivors now, today, uh, and in fact, people who are still with their perpetrators. We know people in our personal circle um, and they may only get those five hours a day. But my point this is, and the reason why this exacerbates the issue, is that abuse is always there. Yeah. Whether you experience it for five hours a day or whether you're with it for 24 hours a day, it's an unhealthy relationship. It's a relationship that you probably should not be in. It's not yeah. good. It's soul building. It's not energizing. It's not a relationship you should be um, in, invested in in the first place. So my point is, it's highlighting the issue by exacerbating but the issue i think the real root cause the real violence in the home the abusive situations within the home it's just highlighting it yeah it's highlighting yeah. Bad. yeah yeah i think it's hard i yeah i think for me it's you know lockdown and even, has, then, even then i don't think it's probably exposing it to, yeah, yeah it's highlighted the it's raw highlighted. kind of like rot that we have in society that was kind of um it's almost like it's on a down low do you know what i mean yeah. it's almost we knew a bit about it, but not everyone knows about it. It's that kind of down-low problem that has always been... And I think lockdown has just helped highlight the real rot that we have in society in terms of domestic abuse. Yeah. Because we're being forced into... It's like being forced into a room and you're told to stay with someone who's violent or someone who's abusive. That's what, what it's highlighted. And that person yeah. will always be. And it's just hard to cut that... You know, we have a serious problem with it. You know, I think, I think at one point a few weeks ago, or even a month ago, over a month now, we were kind of... Um, look at the stats of um, coronavirus and we were like, okay, you know, I know that we're not that one didn't be moaning at all. You know, the people, you know, people have really suffered with coronavirus. People have died because of it. But if we took that one in four um, statistic and applied it to coronavirus, a lot of people will be dying. Like, you know, when I talk about the curve and all that, that would be, if you apply that one in four to coronavirus, then there'll be up, absolute uproar. But that's what that, that one of four, I think is from the ONS 2016. Uh, no, yeah, 2018, yeah. 2018 ONS is one of four. So you know, what is it then in 2020? That's, that's going to change. That's, that's going to jump like, significantly. And we may be one in two, one in three. Yeah. Yeah. It, but the thing is, even if we're saying one in four, is that one in four of people who are actually reporting it? That's reported. Great question. And that's, that's exactly that's reported. Do you know what I mean? Like, so actually, is that figure even correct? Correct. No. It's, it's, that's, that's based on reported crime, but we know it's underreported. So, so you you know. to give you an example of one of the one of the reasons why um, it, it, it's interesting. And sometimes, you know, domestic abuse affects people of all different ages. It, it, it's something which exactly. cuts age, race, religion, socioeconomic background. It cuts across it. But when it comes to reports, it's very interesting. So one of the boroughs that we work with in South London, um, they are one of the, you know, they have very high prevalence of, of domestic abuse. And they have, um, you know, lots of statistics which we've read through and researched. And we had a look at their heat map, which is the heat map of reports. Yeah. And they're really divided into two halves, the south of the borough and north of the borough. And when you look at the heat map, the north of the borough, there's little red spots all over. Red spots, you know, there's lots of reports came from here and in this month, X amount of reports. It's a very green south of the borough. <laughs> that cannot be accurate. That's not accurate. Um, incidentally, the south of the borough is probably the more affluent side of the borough, which then begs the question, in the more affluent side of the, of the borough, does domestic abuse just not really happen? Well, that's not true. That's not of course true. it happens. Of course it, it's, not, it's not reported. Exactly. It's not reported. And people are seeing certain things as domestic abuse and certain things as not as well in that, in that scenario, possibly. Yes, possibly. Yeah. Or, because also you then have the people who 
will st- and I've had people tell me this um that I, I knew somebody quite a long time ago who was dating somebody who was very very affluent very very rich extremely abusive I mean this guy would batter her in front of me and there were times where I would have to get involved to actually like save her skin and she chose to stay because he had money she said I can't afford to be a single mum and that's a very and you've hit the nail on the head because that that's the other thing and and I I think if if we're going to just talk about economics for a second there is a certain stereotype that comes with a domestically abused person there is a stereotype that you know an extrovert could never be it could never be a, a you know um, somebody who's domestically abused somebody that that wouldn't happen in that kind of nice area in that nice yeah. house but there is a stigma if you're calling the police from a certain area in a certain location to complain about domestic abuse well then the police will come outside your door and people are the neighbors going to wonder and, and exactly. they're not just family expectations they might not be divorcing your family so you know and then sometimes as you've just rightly mentioned children children is a really really massive barrier if the thought of stepping into a situation which is completely unknown where money is not certain right now your child is fed educated kept yeah. well you know yes you, you're suffering but your child is treated really well and your child's got the the life that you wanted them to have if you're telling that woman or that man to step out of that situation into something which is unknown and financially you know for a financial perspective they may not be able to do the same things that they were able to do so that child's life changes they won't be in an instant yeah. That's a really massive decision to make. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Massive. There's like, you know, we've, uh, I can't remember where, but at a time, I think, but there was, you know, just to kind of put it in perspective, we were, I can't remember where we were, um, but there's a magistrate who'd said, you know, so I was like, oh, well, you know, I've been in a domestic abuse um, marriage for some time, and she's a magistrate, you know, so people have this impression that it yeah. only happens with a particular type of woman or someone from a particular, a particular, you know, socioeconomic class is not the case. She's a magistrate sitting, giving people sentences, and she herself has been, been abused herself, you know. And also, you know, there's also this kind of like, you know, in terms of like corporations doing what they're thinking, they're doing their part as well with their own, um, their own employees is, again, it's almost like, well, if you're able to come to work and you know she does an amazing job and she does this and she does that, well, how, why would she be the one that's in you know, domestic abuse? But they they are they're in they're everywhere. Exactly, and people don't realise that sometimes. And I think I had that same um, situation. So I was working in pharmacy for quite a lot of years. I was a line manager. Um, in general, I was almost what you would call the life and soul of the party because at work that was where I could be me. I was safe at work. I was helping people at work. So when my relationship broke down and there was a day where my ex-abuser came into the shopping center and was looking for me and I saw him Mm. out the window, I I ran into the toilet to hide Mm -hmm. and no one could believe that I was doing that. They were like, what do you mean? And I, I had to break down and say to my her manager what was what was going on and she was like I never would have thought that somebody yeah. like you would yeah. be in that situation yeah mm. yeah 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 because people people see the thing about it is the real you comes out of work and that's who people would think yeah. of that's but then the absolutely that's, that's how you are that's at home that's how you are yeah. in every sphere of your life but then what they don't see is the recessed version of you so they can't even imagine 
what they know of you being any less than what they see and what they experience. But actually there is this version of you that comes, that, that, that is present when your abuser is present. Yeah. So they're, they're not seeing the same person, that same person, they may have met you many years ago, but over time that recessed version of you is what shows. Yeah. Yeah. And it's quite scary to think that that happens. And like, obviously I'm great. I'm happy now that I'm not in that kind of a situation. And, um, I got therapy to really like, because what was happening is I was going from one bad relationship to another. Yeah. And it was because I was just seeking acceptance because I knew I wasn't accepted yeah. for who I really was mm. at home. Yeah. Cause I couldn't tell them. So therefore I am trying to get what I didn't get at home. Yeah. And yeah. the moment somebody gives me that acceptance, I'm like, great, let's go. Yeah. You know, I'm giving a, 150% to somebody who's not even given me 20% back but I'm like it's okay it's fine it's fine because they accept me but they only do that for a short period of time mm. and then the real them comes out and here I am again so eventually I, I got therapy for that and I had to learn to to live my best life and now people really do tell me you are really out here being queer yeah. I'm like, yeah. and people are telling me I don't know this version of you I'm like, this is, this is the real me, me but yeah. the real me has taken almost, you know, 30 years to come out because of everything that was going on beforehand. Um, yeah. And that's part of something we do. And, you know, on our wellbeing program, Beyond Surviving is, you know, um, arming these women with new, their, their skills, like helping them understand who they are, what skills they have, you know, we, you know, understanding that, um, it's also like teaching them, yeah, teach them who they are so that they realize that they to grow the confidence, the self-esteem, so that when they and also teach them what a healthy relationship looks like. Yeah. Because we've been through, you know, when you're coming with like, I'm you know, you're you're given 150 percent the person given 20%, but you're not recognizing that difference, what what you're, yeah. you're over underdoing it and realizing that you actually you are you 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 have your worth and it's helping them understand their worth. That when they go into a new relationship, it's, a, it's much more healthy. They understand you know, what they should be doing, what they shouldn't be doing, how they how they should view it. You know, then, and that's what they need. That's part of the whole. That's part of our wellbeing program is to help them understand those things. And how has your wellbeing program been going? Because I know you guys originally started it, and it was face to face, wasn't it? And then yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, we Rona, were... Rona came along. <laughs> Good old Corona. Um, well, it's quite interesting. So the, the, the programme started back in January and that was obviously a, a post-global pandemic world. So it was set up um, as a 16-week programme um, and it's, it's psychologically based. So what makes this programme different is we're using a few models uh, under the area of psychology. So uh, one of them is a coaching psychology approach um, and the other is positive psychology, which is looking at um, the art of meaning within life, what creates meaning in life. Um, so it, it's based on those principles and throws in other areas from uh, cognitive, cognitive neuroscience, a bit of neuroscience, not a science based course, but everything that we teach is evidence based. It, it's, yeah. it's based. every exercise we do for it. So it, it's sort of part, it's, it's built on the shoulders of research. Um, that program um, started off face to face, as you've already said, and uh, then when coronavirus happened, there was an element of the program. There's, there's three elements to our program. So one, which is um, sort of group sessions, which is kind of teachings and we do exercises. 
The other is um, uh, use is, is ecotherapy. So it's based on a psychological principle called eco-psychology, which is all around the human connection with nature, how, you yeah. know, how being in the outdoors. Um, and that was where we did various different activities, all, all quite kind of quirky and, and a bit innovative childhood games. Um, you know, the whole idea behind that is getting women to release their inner child and just, just be silly, just be open. So there's, there's rationale behind everything. And the third element, which, which is, is really, was really something we considered to be quite important, is a one-to-one -one session. So every month alongside those group sessions, we look very focused, we focus very closely mm. in on um, what it is that um, each of the women want to achieve. So that one-to-one -one is what are you looking to do? What are your goals? How, where are you now? What do you need to do? What action steps do you need to take to get yourself from, from, from one place to the other? The idea of the ecotherapy sessions and the group sessions, are, it's about building a sense of community. Whereas the individual sessions is needed to, what do you need to do as an individual? Everyone's in a different place. No, no two clients are the same. Exactly. Some of them have money, some of them don't have money, some of them are isolated, others of them um, are not isolated and have family around them and they've got very different circumstances and they each have different aims it's different goals that they want to try and achieve so having that individual element with the group element helps not only the women themselves focus on their own goals and where they want to go but also build um, a sense of community with women who are all on that same journey different different path but on that same journey um, and that's the, the program has just been it, it's been a joy to be part of it's been a genuine joy to be part of yeah worked um, with um, sort of partner agencies. Uh, so we've worked with Women's Aid and we've worked with Hestia. We've also worked with two, two local authorities and we're focused in the London boroughs of Bromley and Croydon. So that's where all of our clients have come from. Um, and we're also partnering with the university, so University of Greenwich in London. Um, yeah. We have a small research team of three people. Um, two of them are lecturers and chartered psychologists themselves. And they are um, using our programme um, as a way of seeing whether you know to to build evidence to see whether this type of psychological approach is suitable for survivors so this is this is what this is all about uh, and they're sort of working with more of the research angle of things but it's it's you know we, we had they had they had a focus group I, I wasn't part of the focus group but and the feedback so far I mean, we haven't got all of the results back but the feedback has just been overwhelmingly positive um, and it's not a strict acceptance criteria, but there is a program, um, there are programs that exist out there which um, help women to identify perpetrator behaviour. One of them is called the Freedom Programme, which is, which is a fantastic programme. It's been in 12 weeks um, and it learns, teaches women all about sort of perpetrator, women and men actually, so it's for both women and men, but it teaches about perpetrator behaviour. Um, and that's great. And a lot of our women have come from those programmes and sort of said, you know, it was good and it was great and I, I can now see perpetrated behavior a mile off but what about me yeah am i going to rebuild me how do i get to that place that i want to get to so that's when we talked at the beginning about looking at gaps in the market that is a gap in the market that the psychological need of the woman and even if they have children that's that's fine um yeah. but with the woman because the better the woman the better the parent exactly. um it's all about sort of filling the woman up Perpetrator behaviour, that's great. You're able to identify that. You're able to identify with the fact that the abuse was not your fault, that you were not responsible. But now how do we build you going forward? And it's it's just been an absolute joy. So COVID has brought us a really massive opportunity because yeah. what we're now saying is part of part of we always had one-to-ones via Zoom. So we've been using this from, from, from the beginning. 
So we would actually now we're looking at how do we transition this to the, a fully digital proposition? And if this is a fully digital proposition, that's fantastic because then we can service women all over the UK. It doesn't matter what borough they come from. We can just seed from every borough. So this, you know, has, I mean, this period of time, I don't, I think we probably would have got to a digital proposition a couple of years down the line, yeah. but this has helped us get there really quickly because mm. now we're like, there's so many amazing tools out there. Um, exactly. We want to digitalize and we're all about digital and um, we want to all about data and all of the great tools that are out there to help us collect data and that data just helps us refine our service so it's 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 been a it's been a really massive win so in answer to your question it's been great, it's been great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. um, you touched on something that I wanted to touch on as well because um there's an app you were talking about um how people can now you know there's things there's ways to teach them how to recognize a perpetrator there's an app called um bright sky bright sky yeah. yes indeed yeah absolutely great and it looks like a normal weather map weather yeah. app and you can use it to figure out whether you're in an abusive relationship or not and at the end of like the little quiz it then gives you contacts yes within your area mm, that's fantastic and i think that is such a good idea because it's one thing to recognize you're in that situation okay, now what do I do? How do I get out of here? Yeah, yeah. And that was, you know, that's something that I've used with my clients that I've um, given to other people to say, because that's something I figured, I found out through work, through watching one of these videos. And um, I was able to share that. And the amount of people who have come back to me and said, I didn't realise what was going on in my life. Yeah. And I just think, wow, there's so, and you know, the same way people didn't think that I could, I would be one of those people to go through it. There's people that I'm looking at now that have opened up to me and I'm thinking, I never would have expected it. Yeah. No. Yeah. So this, this is, this, that really leads to, to, to something quite, something that always strikes me as like, just, just amazing. Um, when you, when you look at kind of domestic abuse and you, and you think about the fact that it cuts across every culture race religion creed and it happens to those who wouldn't expect it to what is it that's endemic in our society that yeah. makes okay there is something at the root cause that says it's okay the volumes that this is happening in and the fact that it, this isn't a particular one particular group it's not happening you know there might be a prevalence within certain groups like the lgbtqi community fine but um it's happening in every group it's happening yeah. in all circles it's happening in all ethnic groups it's happening within all um socioeconomic classes it's happening so there to me is a root problem mm, which yeah. is where work that's being done with the perpetrators i mean that that you know people have criticized it for various different reasons but just thinking about it conceptually if you're working with survivors what we are doing is we are dealing with the aftermath mm -hmm. exactly there yeah. is something which needs to tackle the root so what is it that happens in every society and every culture that makes people think that that's okay. So one of the other areas that we are looking to develop, and this is probably in the future 2021, um, is actually looking at, um, uh, we've put it encouraging her motivates, which is actually working with people at the age of 13 to 19. So we're thinking about sort of girls, but, but at the moment sort of focusing around girls, but teaching them, those young girls what healthy relationship looks like at a very young age. Um, and, and that's particularly important, especially the latter stage of that, of those ages, because it, it, I mean, I think it was back in 2013, the Home Office issued a statement where they were talking about 
the um, about domestic abuse and um, the widening the kind of the age range of yeah. domestic because one of the things that and that really came out from an ONS survey I think it's like 2011 to 2012 where they were saying um, of all the groups that I think they'd surveyed about 11,000 11,000 individuals and of those they found that of, on the, between the ages of 16 and 59 and the group between the age of 16 to 19 was the high, had the highest experience of domestic abuse. So if it's happening then, yeah, 16 to 19, yeah. 16, still in school. Exactly. Then you need to go back a little bit further than that. Yeah. 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 So, and then we need to look about what's happening at that stage. And I think culture comes into it if we look at just the BAME community. I mean, how many times do our parents tell us to just move on when something happens in your home? Or ha growing up, like I said before, when you read, when you see your parents arguing, that yes. looks normal. Mm -hmm. They're not hitting each other; they're shouting at each other. So that's normal. People shout at each other. That's, really? you know, we we take that as normal. But actually, that's not. You know, all of a sudden, your dad's abusing your mum, or you know, you. The 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 best ex um, way I can explain it is like when a child comes home, with results that are not a in a Nigerian home. That's when your parents start to divide as to who gave birth to this child. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one thing I've always noticed because all of a sudden, Daddy Benga says, this is not my child, you cheated on me. Nobody in my family gets B. <laughs> and then, <laughs> Mommy Benga says, it's yours because look at your life. <laughs> you know, and that, and in that, and we can laugh about it now, but in that moment, they are both saying things to each other that are derogatory. You're effectively saying your wife has cheated on you, so this child is a bastard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, mum is saying you're a wayward man anyway. Yeah. So it is your child. So they're both now saying something to each other that is hurtful. Yes. And in that moment, they will continue to retaliate at each other. It might never get physical, but it will continue to retaliate yes. when, you know, it's get bad. And then the child comes home with an A the next week, and then they still divide. And they still believe, no, this is definitely my child. And then the wife will abuse the husband again and say, it wasn't your child last week. And now it's your child? Yeah. yeah. The thing is, and the whole time this is going on, this child is stood there listening. Exactly. And, you know, something else to kind of bear in mind that in terms of, especially coming to teenage years in a BAME household, mm. is that a majority of the time, like, you know, it's either a patriarchal household or it's a matriarchal household and the child has no voice. You yeah. Know, you do as you're told, you respect your parents, you do as you're told, and your life is quite effectively quite controlled, quite heavily controlled, and you're usually quite heavily sheltered, you know, generally there's faith involved and there's culture and all sorts. There's quite, you know, again, there's layers, but you yeah. don't really have a voice. You're not told to give your opinion. Yeah. Um, you're not brought up to um, say no. You, who are you going to do? Say no to your parents? You know, so <laughs> then... You, are you mad? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you to use your voice. So you grow up, you know, especially through your teenage years when things probably get a bit more hectic and you're trying to use your voice more and you're still kind of pushed down even more you're not taught to use your voice. So yeah. then when it to, you're in a precarious situation and you're unable to use your voice to say no or to say, 
or just to use your voice so you to say I don't want this and, and you know or if someone's abusing you it has to push back because you're so used to seeing it you're so used to hearing it yeah how, so how then you disseminate between oh I need to say no to this you're not yeah. taught to do that yeah you know exactly. so that's that's not that's also another that's, 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 that is a problem it's a huge problem in terms of like we just don't we don't have to use our voices which is exactly. why motivates has become so important yeah, very important because yeah. i think yeah very much as we've done with the services which you know the program which we piloted and the other services we're, which we're going to be piloting i think we need to research this really thoroughly yeah you know yeah. things we need to research really what is what are the best intervention methods so i mean one of the things we do is we work quite collaboratively so if there are organizations who do things that we can partner with you know we're partnering with the university we are, are partnering with a, we've got a large corporate partner um, clarion housing um, and we're partnering with clarion futures which is their charitable arm so if you have organizations that either have the resources or the skills that we don't have we want to partner with them yeah um yeah. And quite recently, the ladies from our program, one of the things we did was, um, so I, I also do some work for, the, it's a national charity called SmartWorks. And um, SmartWorks are an amazing charity. Um, they provide um, interview coaching and interview clothing for um, women who are looking to return back to work. Absolutely amazing charity run by fantastic people. And through a partnership discussion with them, we sort of, the ladies who would come from, finished our program, so they were now in that kind of, yes, I'm ready to move yeah. on they were put in touch with SmartWorks and had sessions with them to help them sort of get back into, um, get back into the mindset of thinking about work and thinking about jobs and what it's going to yeah. take to have an individual coaching session. And that's, that's, you know, really important to partner with these people who have these skills. So I think if we were, did further research and found that there were, and if there are any listeners who, who sort of work with um, youth of this area, we'd be really yeah. interested in really connecting with them because we want to be able to create, whether it's a program or an activity or something, we want to be able to create something that you can scale, potentially you could go digital, um, yeah. you know, whatever it may be, but really teaching uh, young girls about healthy relationships and, and really what it means um, to be safe to say no and to realise the power that they have within. Yeah. To, you know, 100%. when... So yeah. that motivates the, yeah. the motivates area is really heavy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another area that I want to talk about is, I guess, probably you know, you may know yourself, um, Ellie, is that when you were growing up, you know, in a fame household, a Nigerian household, or you know, wherever again you're from, is you know, sex is not a conversation that is happening, you know, is, is happening. Oh. Um, and if it does happen in the household, you're told not to do it, and that's the end of your section and discussion at home. Um, Can I just tell you a really funny story growing up? Sure. <laughs> so this this is how sheltered my life was, yeah. I remember the first time I got my period. I'm really sorry for anybody who finds this stuff disgusting, but I'm gonna tell you the story. So I'm sat in the bathroom thinking I'm dying because I've never had this before. And I'm shouting, I'm screaming. My mum comes into the room, she's like, ah, okay. She literally just says, Now, yeah, woman. She goes, if any man touches you, if any boy touches you, you'll get pregnant. So don't touch any boy. <laughs> in my head, that meant, because I was like eight or nine. So in my head, that meant literally touching me. So you know when you play like kiss and chase? Yeah. That was like the death of me. When somebody <laughs> says, let's play kiss and chase to me, I thought, and I did not 
think that you can get pregnant just the once. I thought if four boys touch me, I'm having four children. <laughs> that's how I that's how I equated it. So I used to run around the playground like an absolute lunatic because I didn't want anyone to touch me. I remember a boy sat next to me on the bus and I was really like, you know, just trying to stay on my own. And then the bus kind of turned and he fell and I just thought, yeah, Mutsuku. <laughs> I went home and my mum was like, how was school today? And I was kneeling on the floor going, I'm so sorry, I'm pregnant, I don't know. And I was, and my mum said, what, what, like, my 12 year old is pregnant. And I'm trying to explain to her and she goes, what happened? Thinking obviously something else has happened. And I'm explaining to her, the boy sat on the bus and then the bus turned and then I fell. And my mum was just like, you're just an idiot. <laughs> she still didn't explain to me, that's not how you get pregnant. No, no. And, and that's, that's, that's like part of the problem. Huge problem. It's, it, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, that's, that's hilarious. That is like, that's serious. It's quite serious. It's very yeah. serious. Like, you know, I grew up in a, again, in a Nigerian household. Nigerian Ibo household. I mean, there's four of us, two boys, two girls. None of us had any kind of discussion, you know, or formalization as to how, like, this is how it, it happens. You know, I got my period and was like, my mum was like, don't tell anyone. Like, it's like a huge secret. <laughs> There's discussion about sex in the household. And if there's faith involved, you know, I think we were like at church a few weeks ago and our pastor, we were, we were talking about like young people and blah, blah, blah. And he said, you know, he's looking at, again, statistics and stuff. And he had looked at a, a stat that basically said that the children or the teenagers that had the riskiest sex are children of faith households. Yeah. Because told or not taught at home about healthy what healthy looks like exactly because sex is a dirty word you know so if you're going to be in an abusive relationship with no voice and then you also don't really know much about sex and all you know about is what your friends told you or you know what you might read somewhere you read online or you read in a magazine or porn which we know is very very prevalent with um young people and um, yeah. then you have skewed sense of what sex is supposed to look like Absolutely. and they do end up having quite um what's the word i used illicit illicit sex yeah. sex you know without realizing what they're doing that that's not how it works that's not what you should be doing because they're not taught so you know motivates is really about and why we won't necessarily be talking about sex education but it's about teaching them what a healthy relationship looks like because exactly that happens before the sex happens so we need to catch up the, that dancing section where they're like you know oh, he's cute he's did this he's done that that's where we need to start that's where they need to be aware of you know what they're doing and who they're talking to and how to conduct themselves you know what it looks that's like what consent looks like as well because i always tell people laugh at me and i tell them consent is sexy and people think how can you say that i'm like it's so sexy when somebody actually asks me Bet what i want yeah yes. don't just sex. assume that i want you near me because yeah. I, now I'm, I'm brazen i'll punch you don't touch me if i didn't ask you for it consent is sexy and so many people are talking about it and it's so great because i listened to a couple of other podcasts as well like um laid bear um tutus and all these other great people black girls living who um you know they all talk about it and they all say about how you should always one ask 
before at every point ask because just because I said yes 10 minutes ago doesn't mean that's what it's going to be 10 minutes something can change I might not be in the mood I might not want to do it anymore it's okay to say no yeah a lot of girls will turn around and go he was you know I said no two nights in a row I kind of I can't say no again yes you can Mm. he won't die trust me he won't won't die like it won't fall off it really won't talking from experience it does not fall off (laughs) (laughs) exactly but it is important to kind of capture those ages yeah because as i said our service is geared towards the aftermath it's dealing with you know the, the the program is dealing with after the abuse yeah. has happened, um, even you know the two pilot areas that we're um, going to be introducing. So one of the one of the areas is um, care bag, um, which contains sort of hygiene products for, for women, babies, and children. Uh, and those are, I mean, that's the point of necessity. That's I've come into a refuge. I'm in emergency accommodation. I've got no recourse to public funds, um, and I don't know how I'm going to get clean. I don't know. I'm going to wash my hair. I don't know how yeah. I'm going to. But cream on my skin, I don't, you know, none of those things have been thought of because if the immediate, in some situations, in some of the most severe situations, women are turning up at refuges um, with the pajamas on their back and the children have got, and because at that point in time, the most important thing is your physical safety. Uh-huh. There yeah. are, have, you know, planned things and perhaps, you know, got a little exit strategy and packed a bag and have made their finances in, in such a way that they're not, but, but there are many women who, you know, who knows when that situation arises, when the opportunity comes. If the opportunity comes in the middle of the night, the opportunity is there in the middle of the night. So it's through the research that we did there that we said to ourselves, right, well, actually, what can we do at the first point? And those are supposed to be, you know, let's alleviate your worries about hygiene products for a couple of weeks so you can focus on other things. Yeah. Uh, and also, you know, the, the fear that comes with being in a refuge or, or the fear that comes with leaving your home and all of your worldly possessions, you shut that door and you have left your life you once knew it. So we wanted it to be like a welcome welcome sort of package. Um, welcome package, probably the wrong term, but almost like a, a settle-in package. Mm, so yeah. it's a nice, sort of, a nice tote bag that they can use as a bag for life shopping and obviously being uh, sustainable as well uh, and protecting the environment. So we wanted to put it in something which is sustainable, something that look, looks, you know, it's not fancy, but it, it looks attractive. It's not, um, and the bags to be printed with a message of hope and they could be, any message, it could be a message of hope that's a famous quote or a message of hope that somebody has made up, but when they receive that and that message of hope in the bag, that is as someone saying, I thought of you, I didn't know who yeah. you were. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, just down the, the ethos of encouraging her, that's just an encouraging touch point. Um, and the other area is um, our dressing room, which is going to be acting as kind of a cashless shop for women to come to. So. We're going through the, the contractuals at the moment with a large property provider to secure a unit. And we're going to transform that unit. Um, and that's one of the reasons for our crowdfund as well as our care bags is to be able to transform that unit. And we'd be then receiving donations. We're not talking charity shop here. We're no, talking lovely, shop. cute boutique. Because something, you know, one of the things that we found was that many survivors, it's difficult going into the shops. And for us, you know, I need to go and buy a new top and you go to the shop and you come back and go, yeah. you're out with all these people it's it's scary Scary. some of them haven't had you know haven't had experience with money for years exactly huge in months Uh, yeah because of the safety you know they're scared and scared their safety they haven't left the refuge or 
the accommodation in months, you know. So trying to get out to go and buy a pair of jeans, which may seem really simple and easy for us, is mm -hmm. actually something that's quite, and it fills me with anxiety. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think buying jeans is difficult anyway, because... Yeah. Exactly. Some, some manufacturers need to be just closed down because they're not producing anything that's what we're in, in regard, irrespective of who's going in. So I can feel their pain. Cause I don't like shopping. I've given up on jeans a long time. I'm a leggings girl now. I'm just like, put it on. Two layers if it's too cold. It's all good. <laughs> but that kind of, even the right that we have to that kind of shopping experience, you know, you can call your, sister, your, your, your brother, your boyfriend, whoever, your mom go out shopping. And that's just such a casual experience. So we really wanted to kind of recreate that experience. Having a small number of women booked by appointment only, they come in and they browse and we're talking about high quality items. So the donations that we're accepting are new and nearly new. Yeah. The guidelines, yeah. give it to your mum or your best friend, then we'll have it. We'll have if it's it. in that level, yeah. if it's more like um and R, we don't, we want, don't it. want it, we're not interested. And we are going for like a kind of like a boutique um, type shop and it will allow the women to come in, they can come in, there'll be, you know, a sofa area, come in, sit down, have a coffee and just make it a really nice, environment for them to come to and just enjoy just shopping for things that they need yeah whatever it may be we'll have a range yeah. of different clothing um yeah and then when that was um like a follow-on from our pop-up shop which our first <laughs> our first delving into this area we went to a refuge this is in july or june 2018 we went to a refuge in a neighboring borough um, and we took about 20 bags of our good clothing there'd been two of them in one house and we um we went to the refuge and we set up shopping there in their back garden and we just um got talking to women and handed clothes out and it was a really nice really lovely really really nice it was a lovely day anyway it but was it, was, so it was so enjoyable like oh. women you know we didn't ask for them to share but they started sharing their stories and it was just lovely seeing the smiles on their faces and everyone was happy and i think after we'd left the refuge manager you know spoken and said you know it was one of those events that they'd always remembered people were talking about it for a very very long time so this is our way of really trying to make, trying to recreate that in a more permanent fixture, so mm. to speak. So, you know. Yeah. Well, you guys need to plug in where people can send these items to. Absolutely. To this so that they know for the future. Because I've got, I'm currently moving house, so be expecting suitcases. <laughs> oh, we will, we will receive them greatly. After our crowdfund is over, um, so our crowdfund... I think probably by the time this comes out, our crowdfund will be out, we'll be finishing on the following day. Yeah, 29th. Okay. Yeah, so, um, so we will, that's, you know, once that's over, we're going to really start planning for, yeah. okay, this is part of our post-COVID planning at the moment. Even if um, our, 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 the dressing room was open, we couldn't sort of still continue to yeah. people anyway because of COVID. So this gives us an opportunity to catch our breath. Um, you know, we might be able to go down and visit the site again and have a look and then get some prospects drawn up. We've already, like, Didi, Didi who is much more of the interior designer uh, of the two of us, who loves, I love interior design, but I can't bother to do someone else's house or space. <laughs> yeah, no, so I can't be bothered to do my own, so don't worry. <laughs> you know, we want to get down there and have a look, and Didi's, Didi's already been looking at, you know, colours and different textures and some other different signs. So it really looks like a lovely boutique. Mm. One of the things that we really stand for as, as part of this organisation is just because you are a survivor, you are nothing less. Yeah. So exactly. we need to be 
not we're not going for and there's no disrespect to charity shops absolutely found some great finds in charity shops shout out to all of the charity shops but we're not going for that feel we are going for you're coming for a shopping experience yeah you come and they're entitled to take away one outfit and that can be of, of any occasion because we're going to have all types of clothing including modest clothing as well being being cognizant of the fact that some ladies may need to wear dark clothing or or, or clothing which isn't as fitting or dark you know, yeah clothing that is modest um, so a range of different types of clothes you come you select the one outfit that you want um, that you, you want an accessory and that's it you know if you want to it, one of the things that I, I I sort of when I think about what this is going to look like um, I really love the idea of a group of women coming together like so if it were ladies from our program for example they know each other and if it was like yeah. a group of know each other and then you come you have coffee yeah. have a look at the matter and then you go oh and you're looking at trying this on and oh that looked nice that you know that, that rapport that you feel yeah. any woman or man out there who hears this and loves that experience of going out trying on something and you look nice and your friends are telling you, you look nice and it's just a great feeling that makes me smile if i think oh, that's all that's three all women who knew for. each other yeah. Yeah. or didn't know each other in fact they just come in and they just start naturally what do you know come out of the change room and what do they what do you think of these jeans and you're all pretty it's that yeah. element of community it's that protection of people's psyche mm. that is needed yeah. to get people repatriated back into community and that's, that is it and that is also part of us um teaching the women to put themselves first yes exactly you know because even within their um perpetrator situation they may have still put the perpetrator first they'll put their children first and yeah. always put themselves first yeah you know, so we want them also to themselves to also feel you know feel confident or feel happy or do something nice for yourself as well and whether that be coming to you know to our boutique shop to find you know an outfit for yourself which may be just a jumper or maybe coats you know yeah. whatever that be but do something for yourself you know exactly your and i think women women are doing we're doing extremely well at the moment you know even if we look at equality i mean i definitely mm-hmm. don't think if in the, in the environment that i work in now is predominantly male I don't yeah. think 10 years ago I would have ever thought about that. 10 years ago, women weren't even working in banking necessarily. No. Or, you know, as soon as you got pregnant, you had to quit your job. So we are dealing with an awful lot as well. There's an awful lot of institutionalized abuse that goes on as well. Yeah. Because women have always, you know, in a lot of places, even in the Western world, been treated as second even third world citizens in their own society you know women can't reach as high as men can we they can't do the same things women can't do certain jobs and things like that and i think something like this is really helpful because women need to realize that they can i always tell you know i'm from a family of nine girls and three boys and i'm the first one wow yeah And I always tell my siblings, you can do what, don't listen to mum and dad. They're just talking rubbish now at this stage. They're old, leave them off, forget them. And I say it in front of my mum, she, she really has just given up on me. When she <laughs> listens to this, she's going to say, this child is not mine. <laughs> <laughs> but I always tell them, ignore this woman because she's just living in 1970s or whatever. But, you know, do exactly what you want to do don't let anybody tell you that because you are a woman or because you are black that you cannot reach as high as you can the mm. sky is the limit for anybody 
yeah. you've just got to want it bad enough. Yeah, 100%. That's right. 100%. That's right. And I think that that's, you know, that's, that's one of the messages. That is one of the key messages that absolutely you have the, have the power. One of the things I think is really important to show with survivors and we like to show with our clients is actually it's good to stand where you are now and turn around and look back. Yeah. And that's the, you know, as Didi mentioned, the kind of average time, you know, seven times is the average times, amount of time that, that, that a woman would consider leaving her perpetrator, male or female. Yeah. Um, and that kind of, when you think about the courage that mm. it took to leave, to the courage that it took to go to therapy or yeah. to, um, go through a program like the Freedom Program, the courage it would have been to move area or up sticks, up sticks and move your children and reset your life, the courage mm. that that takes is immense. Exactly. And I think it, it must be difficult if you're, in, you're not in that place where you want to be yet and you realise that your life was on a certain trajectory and you mm. never expected your life to look like that. The yeah. frustration, the anxiety, and that's, so, that's such a fear-inducing situation, an angering situation. It's a situation that's full of sadness. But at the same time, there is um, so much strength in that journey, that journey to when those women, you know, whether it be they, 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 our touch point with them is as, you know, a care bag, even if that's you left that night and you yeah. received the courage it took to get there, immense. Yeah. The courage it took to walk into a shop when you feel intimidated by crowds, immense. The courage that it takes to come on the wellbeing program and, you know, start talking about, you know, the, the, the dirty secret of wanting to put yourself first. The courage yeah. Any of those steps is massive, uh -huh. absolutely massive. Yeah. And I think it's, you never know your strength until you're fully tested. But exactly. that real strong person to break free of the psychological strongholds, the, the physical restrictions, and actually step out and leave. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's also important for people to realise that if you're starting to say to your partner, male or female, LGBTQ or not, BAME or not, you know, I'm going to start putting myself first and that partner is against you doing that because they're not going to be first. Yeah. That's a sign. You need to start Thanks. walking, my sister. Don't, don't sit there and go, okay, I'll do it next time. I'll do it next time because it just gets worse. And once, because the thing is as well, sometimes people, the perpetrators realise when they say something or do something that it can affect you. Yeah, uh, they, they they clock okay which button suppress and things you know yeah yeah i mean there's also you know whilst you know priscilla's talking about um about the, some the courage some of these women have is you know we you know at the start of our program there was a lady who was due to come and start our course with us and some women like unfortunately it's the courage that these women have because it's so different and you know it's almost like quite hard to even try to understand where they've come from where they're going what's happened to them because sometimes they're still on the run yeah because they're still looking for them and you know the perpetrators are that um controlling and that um they they they're Hmm? They're that manipulative. They're, they're constantly looking for them. So, you know, you may have been, you know, you may have left your, your home, you're in a refuge, which is nowhere in your area, because obviously they have to pluck you out and put you somewhere completely different for safety. Yeah. But the perpetrators, they, will, they are constantly trying to track their, you know, these women down or, you know, their, their partner down, constantly trying to track them down, including the children. 
there have been times where they've been in a, in, a, in a refuge and the child started a new school and the perpetrator has managed through friends, family or some kind of rubber, managed to figure out what school the child goes to and we just go and stand by the school gates and watch to see if the child's there. And then once you know, they've managed to locate them, the woman has to be removed again from that refuge and moved somewhere else. So yeah. just couldn't these women unfortunately are constantly on the run from their perpetrator yes i never get the full chance to kind of really settle down and just start on life and over again they're constantly looking over their shoulder you know they start you know that and that's the element of safety that some of these women unfortunately have to put up with which is why some of them don't leave the refuge for a while it's, it's that courage that constantly feel they're on the it's run fight. and to fight it's a fight it's, it's a fight and i think some women just don't realize how strong they are absolutely yeah. not absolutely that some of these women have Considering what they've been through it is amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, amazing. The temptation to like, no, I want to be better. I want to get better. I want to do this with my life. From you know, some of the women we have on the course, it's amazing. Absolutely. The courage they have, the strength to get, go through it all psychologically, which is, we know, yeah. it's hard to break. It's ama- it is amazing. It so is. We, we tell them that. We, we, mm. we yeah. show, you know, a series of exercises to shine the mirror and go, well, you know, even if you're reading Watch a fictitious wrong. story about yeah. somebody and someone will go, God, oh, that's pretty. And then when you start highlighting, but, but, but that was you, very similar to you, you doing this. Yeah. Or actually, that was really similar when you did that. Well, you think that's courageous. Well, how about when you did this? And yeah. you start to slowly show them that actually what you've done is no mean feat. Yeah. yeah. Um, really it's incredibly strong. And mm-hmm. I, I think there is something really to be said about an imp- a fully empowered woman yeah something to be said there is something incredibly formidable about you know we've all got those you know characters that we know in popular culture um you know who we just go oh that's a, that's a you know oprah winfrey is a formidable woman she's just a force to be reckoned with and i think when you give the woman these seeds and this is our program is almost a starting point for them yeah mm. Because you will just go on, what we do is teach you the how, you go and do the do. So you do the how and you will see seeds of transformation. We've had amazing, mm. incredible feedback. Um, but that will just, what we want is something to, like one Take year on. And run with it. You know, this cohort, we're saying we want to meet with you in a year's time because we want to see yeah. what you Because it, one year on. And then it's the year after that. And, and it's, it's teaching people how to manage themselves, manage their emotions, manage themselves psychologically in order to be able to just continue growing. We want them to just smash every barrier. Yeah. Exactly. 100%. Yeah. And they are all very capable of doing it. Yeah. Yeah. They've yeah. taken the hardest step, which is getting Hard- out. Hardest. Yeah. Hardest. Followed by step two, staying out. Yeah. Exactly. So once you've hit those two, done. Yeah. Presidency, here we come. Yeah. yeah. And then three, <laughs> unleash what's within. Unleash and move on. Exactly. Know. Yeah, they're all starting a new life. Exactly. Well, we, we better start is- wrapping up soon because I'm sure we'll carry on talking because you know what we're like the last time. But we, we haven't even, like, depicted everything, I think, in this. I mean, we didn't even talk about America, which is just... It's- oh, God. Yeah, <laughs> At this yeah. point, America is a different... It's a different world. It's a different planet. Those people are not living on Earth. That is the conclusion I have come to. <laughs> it's not living on Earth. They're in a very unfortunate situation. I think. Yeah, I just, I just pray for them to hopefully it gets better. 
Yeah. I, mean, I ain't stepping foot near that place until something happens to him, good or bad. I'm not wishing debt on my enemy, but you know. No, of course. But, you know, I have to fling it in. But what <laughs> done with, um, so that they're, they're looking to pass laws on well, domestic yeah, abuse. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, as I talked at the beginning, I promise this is the last point I have to say. <laughs> you prompted me. So <laughs> you, poked the, you poked that bear. Um, <laughs> In America, they, 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 so where we're talking about the domestic abuse bill, which is going through Commons to broaden the there's, there's other powers which come with it, you know, powers of arrest and, and various different legal proceedings, etc. But the, the very first part being the scope of definition, we're going wide. We're going, it's not just if you're over 18, we're capturing 16 to 18 year olds as well, because we're saying that's domestic abuse. We're going, domestic abuse isn't just being hit or physical violence, it's yeah. broad talked about that we've covered that one in america they currently have this nice broad definition lovely <laughs> they are going through the process of refining the law to narrow the definition so that it's only physical violence they yeah, are taking that back backwards 50 to 70 years so yeah. I, I, my last point on that, i'd say we're very fortunate to be in a country which is going in the right direction. One hundred percent. I completely agree. And I used to say that you know America is my dream country to live in, but okay. I can't lie. Since Donald Trump became president, no chance. I don't even want to go on holiday in America because I might just register a gun while I'm there, and if I see him, <laughs> you like, you know when you just think about there are certain people you are willing to do time for? He's one of them. Yeah. <laughs> he's one of them. And he's probably, like, one of the very few people on my list because I'm not really one to think about killing people. But my one of my cousins always tells me that when I start talking about Trump, he says, I can see the psychopath in you. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing this man says resonates with me i can't relate to him in any form whatsoever everything he says is mad says or does why would you ever repeal a law to the point where you've now excluded millions of potential victims exactly why would you do that I, I, i've never people yeah. are like trying to progress and he is like he, he you know he's just taking them backwards and like, he's actively <laughs> trying to take them backwards it's actively you can see you can literally see it it's so obvious you know, slashed funding in, know, in areas yeah. of um, You know, funding is significantly reduced in the area. You've narrowed the scope. But then, to be honest with you, I'm not, what, are we surprised? No, true. You know, going through his, um, you know, when he was going through his, what do you call it? Inauguration. Ugh, inauguration. You know, the whole problem that he had, apparently, with that woman and, and you know, you know, touching of areas and things he said about women. Are we surprised? Yes, yeah, true that he's not going to elevate women in anything that he's doing. It's not, exactly. not that I'm surprised, I'm no. disappointed. Exactly. The supposed leader of the free world has a more, has probably, uh, you know, uh, has the same stance on domestic abuse that we had 50, 60 years ago. That's, I'm disappointed. Exactly. I'm not disappointed. I, think. I understand. I'm, it's, just, it's the act is disappointing, but I think for him, for him as a person, I think it's. I'm not disappointed. It's not. No, I'm just. I, I want anybody who's listening to this yet to use the Itta Bames Life hashtag and tell me. <laughs> just, I just, I just want to know what is Trump's propaganda. That like if somebody can figure it out, 
and then we can discuss about how to demolish it. <laughs> like I'm ready to lead an army. That's fine. I've got a couple of weeks I can take off on holiday. Of it. Because of the corona. Like I'm happy to lead this. We just need to figure out what his problem is and how we're gonna attack. Yeah. And if we can make change the policies which he's gonna put through to oh, narrow the definition of domestic abuse. Yeah, that and so many other that and so many I read others. that and I just thought you know, like you said, I wasn't surprised, but I was really disappointed. I was like, really? Are we really going to go there now, mate? Really, really disappointing. Really disappointing. Yeah. But where there is bad, there is also good. And there's lots of good happening in the UK. Yeah. Lots, of, lots of good individuals. Um, and I think if, if people want to find out a little bit more um, about the work that we do, um, um, I can send over, um, I can share, certainly share, we're, we're on, if you Google uh, encouraging her, all one word, um, you'll get um, our website and also on our socials, we're, of, we're on Twitter, on Instagram, and we also have a Facebook group community, it's a private community for survivors and supporters on um, Facebook, um, but I can share our link tree with um, Ellie and that will access, give you access to, to all of our details and connections, and most importantly, I which, so the same thing. If you are listening and it's not it's gone not gone past the 29th of May, check out our project page. That'll be part of the link as well. Uh, and, and have a look through there and, and, and have a look and take take a read and take a read into a bit more detail in the areas and, and what we're looking to do with the funding. Yeah. And is there anything at all in terms of like um whether you do with you know, we have E encouraging her motivates, which is 13 to 19 year olds. Please contact us We're on all the socials, as we said, our website. Um, anything to do in terms of working with um, females, survivors of domestic abuse, again, please contact us in terms of how we can collaborate and do more. Um, and also what we are, which we will be doing more of and looking into is LGBT and DV. So again, please contact us again across various channels um, in how we can collaborate and support and, you know, do more. Fantastic. Well, I'm just going to say thank you guys once more for coming on and talking. It's been absolutely amazing. We've had some laughs. We've talked about some really important things. I definitely don't think this is going to be the last time that we'll be doing this. <laughs> because we're not even halfway through what we want to talk about. But yeah, I, I just want to thank you guys for coming on again. And like I told you guys um, previously when we spoke, I don't know another lesbian couple like you guys that are doing, that are lesbian black living out here doing your best life and also doing the amazing work that you guys do so I'm just really really thankful that you've um, agreed to come on and have a chat and yeah anybody who wants to reach out to these ladies please 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 I'm begging you do it it will be amazing you are so much stronger than you think you are if you're struggling you don't really know what you want to do obviously use the um it's a it's a BAME's life tag I'm on Facebook Twitter and Instagram. You can find me on my own page, which is Mose Izzy. Um, also, I've got an email address at itabameslife at gmail.com. Just message me, DM me. I'm more than happy to put you through if you're like scared, you don't know what you want to do, or you just want to talk things over before you start doing anything. But yeah, definitely use the, um, use the encouraging her tags, use the Itabames Life, and just tell us what you think. And like the ladies have said, if you think that your organization can help or you can put them through to somebody who can get in touch because this is something that really needs to you know coronavirus has really showed us what is going on 
and actually we're just we're just scratching the surface we're not even near it we need to start going further down so yeah the more people we can get on board the better amazing amazing, amazing. thank you thank you for having thank us thank you so much and thank yeah. you for your sharing your yeah story. thank you very much oh that's all right thank you guys well we'll wrap it up there and um yeah we'll see you guys the following week and don't forget to um give to their crown funder as well so as long as you guys give me the link i'll be putting it up there once we post it the episode comes out at 12 midnight so you guys will have 24 hours <laughs> no excuses 24 hours to help these ladies out wonderful thank you so thank you much. Very much no worries thank you thank you